You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox, and appreciate you joining me today. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. We'll actually talk some uh, Big 12 Heisman odds, some Big 12 title odds in the next segment. But before we do that, um, I want to get some uh, thoughts from somebody who covers the Aggies about new TCU transfer, Shadrach Banks. And Cole Thompson's joining me. I appreciate Cole making some time for the show uh, this afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening. And Cole, this was an interesting situation. I know Shadrach had been committed to A&M for a long time. He goes through spring ball. Um, at, at what point did you kind of hear rumblings that he might not be uh, completely satisfied with, with what was going on uh, with his time, his short time there at A&M? So it was really funny. Actually, it was right after the spring game. I mean, we're talking less than two days after the spring game. He announced he was transferring. And it's kind of weird because of – when you see an early enrollee come to the program, you at least expect them to be there for a year, try to make it onto the football field, actually try to earn some first-team reps. And that just really wasn't the case with Banks. He was a guy who was kind of falling down the depth chart, definitely was going to be in that third, uh, that third, you know, third-team rank right now because the wide receiver position is very much loaded with talent. It's just nobody's really taking that lead as that number one receiver. But when you look at what the other thing I think that people were saying about him was, he was primarily going to be a slot receiver that was going to be used on third down situations because of his size and his frame. I mean, everything about him screamed the linebacker, but he was playing wide receiver because of his great closing speed as a player on short and intermediate rounds. So when you look at the slot receiver position, they kind of are set there with Anaya Smith and Musa Muhammad III coming out of North Carolina as a former four-star and son of Musa Muhammad Jr., who played in the NFL for over a decade. So at that point, I think he wanted to be a starter right away and knew he wasn't going to get that opportunity with Texas A&M. Instead, he stays in the in the Lone Star State and he transfers to Fort Worth, where we now know he actually is going to transfer positions and go from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, an area where a lot of people actually thought he was going to do initially when committing to Texas A&M and play that linebacker position. And he is a really interesting athlete, right? Like there's there's just so many intriguing things with his size. And, and you mentioned the speed. He was a wide receiver at North Shore. That's what he did. So what do you think about his fit as a linebacker? Because apparently TCU was exploring that as well. If I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say probably 70% chance that he plays defense when he gets to Fort Worth. Uh, so what do you think of him potentially as a, a college linebacker in the Big 12? You know, I think it's going to take him a year at least, and I think if that's going to be the problem that we have, you know, where he's sitting here and going, I want to start right away, that may not be the case. Now, again, the good news for TCU is that Garrett Wallow left for the Houston Texans, and because of the move, they recently had another transfer leave in uh, in the last couple of weeks. So now Banks has an opportunity to start right away, but at the same time, this was the number 18 wide receiver in the country, but he was listed at Texas A&M, at six foot two, 242 pounds. So when you see that size, you're thinking linebacker. And there's a lot to like about him, especially because of that good closing speed and his ability to get off of blocks right away, very similar to as a receiver. But instead of going up against slot cornerbacks and going up against, you know, even safeties, you're going now up against offensive tackles, tight ends, and probably making plays at that first or second level of defense. But I like his closing speed. I think he has a bunch of physical traits that everybody 
wants on a wide receiver that you can kind of teach to mirror defensively. And I do think that he does fit the mold of these new kind of hybrid linebackers, players with good speed, kind of can play the safety role, but hit like a linebacker. Banks has all those intangibles. And again, there was a report that said a lot of schools viewed him more so as a linebacker than they did as a starting wide receiver. It's very clear that TCU thought of him that way. A lot of people thought that Auburn would use him that way. And Texas was actually going to keep him at wide receiver, but make him a both-sided ball player. So it's kind of one of those interesting fits where it may take him a year to get on the field, but I do think that with these transitions to having one of your two or three linebackers kind of be that hybrid player, Banks fits that bill pretty pretty hard on the nose. And you said earlier it is weird for an early enrollee to, I mean, be around for less than a semester essentially and decide after one go around in spring ball that he's going to move on. Uh, but as far as you know, Cole, I mean, there's there's really no red flags here. This was just as simple as, hey, I, I'm looking at this step chart. I, I don't think I'm going to fit in here. I, I got to move on and, and try to get a chance to start somewhere. No, and you could tell by the way that Jimbo Fisher kind of addressed the situation that it was a move that you know both sides kind of agreed on. If you don't think that you're going to be here long term, you might as well go transfer now, get the opportunity to start so we can kind of build a roster spot around you because – Recently, you know, Jimbo Fisher talked about Chris Morris, the four-star offensive tackle, and he said, well, he's not with the program anymore, and more than likely he will transfer before the start of the season. It was a tone that kind of falls into it. One is a bit of a more, we understand the situation, we disagree with his choice, but we at least respect the fact that he's getting it out of the way now versus, yep, not with this program anymore, out of sight, out of mind. It's a little bit of a different feel, and Banks more so kind of fits that bill. Now, again, it's a little bit like that running back, uh, Zach Evans from North Shore, you know, former Nor- uh, North Shore product as well, where last season he graduated early, didn't really tell anybody that he graduated early, and then went through the entire process of not knowing where he was going to play. It came down between Georgia and Texas A&M. Because of a situation with Georgia, he was released from his brother of intent and then officially signed with TCU earlier this offseason. So, again, it's one of those, you know, kind of, you know, situations where, you look at Zach Evans and you look at his situation, not the same as a guy like Banks. Banks, I think it's just personally, I don't fit the culture here. I do not fit what Texas A&M is about, and I want to be able to have the most opportunity to play right away. He has a better shot in Gary Patterson's system, at least I think defensively. So he's going to go ahead and go join the Big 12, probably make an impact by the end of the season, if not for sure, in 2022. Cole, before you go, uh, A&M obviously not too far from Fort Worth. I know they're in different conferences. I guess TCU kind of has to thank the Aggies for allowing them to get in a Power 5 conference because their move sort of spurred on um, needed expansion in the Big 12. But this Aggie team coming off a, a really good season, they beat North Carolina in their bowl game. What do you make of this quarterback situation after spring practice in the spring game? Is there any clarity there between Zach Calzada and Haynes King? Yeah, no, I would say still going into the final you know, couple months before their first game against, um, uh, uh, um, uh, against Kent State later this year, it still was kind of a battle. I mean, you have to remember that these are two very different style quarterbacks, but both have worked in the past. And one thing you have to kind of realize is when you look at Alabama, everybody thought that Bryce Young was going to take over because of he had better awareness, he had better pocket presence, he had a cleaner arm, but he wasn't able to get to that next level. And Mac Jones ended up winning the starting job, never lost it, won all 14, all 13 games, was a national title contender. I mean, like that's exactly kind of the situation we have with Texas A&M. Zach Calzada 
is your stereotypical kind of pocket passer, stay in the pocket, not really a mobile guy, but good connection, good completion rating, quality arm, definitely can keep drives alive. Where King has all this upside, but he overshoots his target. He undershoots his target. There's not enough poise and pizzazz with his overall game. So I look at the situation. I think that this battle goes on all the way up until week four against Arkansas. You can probably beat Arkansas with one, if not both, of these quarterbacks kind of combined. But after that game, you have to solidify yourself going into week five before the week six matchup against Alabama if you're trying to contend and be that next-level team. This is a top-ten defense in the SEC. This is a top-ten defense in the entire NCAA. This is an offense that has a lot of good pieces. I think the offensive line will come around eventually, but the quarterback position is the most essential, especially when you look at the SEC with guys like Alabama replacing Matt Jones, with uh, Bo Nix kind of being a downfall, with the success of Matt Coral and Will Rogers in, uh, in the Mississippi schools. You have to have your quarterback situation kind of figured out before you face off against Alabama. Because in reality, the winner of the SEC, I do believe, will be decided by week six. Whoever wins that Alabama A&M game will likely be hoisting the SEC title trophy come December of 2021. It's Cole Thompson. He hosts Locked on Aggies. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. And uh, Cole, if anybody's listening to this and say, hey, I, I want to hear more about A&M this upcoming season, where can they find the podcast? Make sure you listen to us at the Odyssey app at Locked on Aggies. You can also follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or LockedOnPodcast.com. Follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. There he is, Cole Thompson, talking uh, Shadrach Banks transferring to TCU. Coming up in segment two, we'll uh, talk some Big 12 title odds. We'll do that next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Back here on Locked on Horn Frogs and here in segment two, I want to hear a little bit of a conversation uh, where I want you to hear. I've, I've heard it before. I experienced it. I want you to hear a little of my conversation with Josh Neighbors. Uh, I, I talked with him also about the top 10 players in the Big 12, um, some expectations for this upcoming season. Here's some of my conversation with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12. All right, Stephen. So I'm not sure if you saw this. Last week, the uh, 24-7 had the list of the 10 best players in heading into the 2021, uh, the 2021 Big 12 football season. All right. So this was the list they had. I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. All right. So number 10, this, and I, I think there's some projecting happening here. So this is why I don't like this. Letty Brown. Now, I like Letty Brown in this because I think that he's a good player. We know he's a good mm-hmm. player. Right. So I, I think, would you have any problems with Letty Brown being top 10? No. I mean, I think he's going to have uh, over a thousand yards rushing. Like they lean on him a lot. So I'm good with that. Good physical back. West Virginia has yeah. a good offensive line. It makes sense. All right. Number nine, Deuce Vaughn. I like the idea of Deuce Vaughn, but Deuce Vaughn is – look, it's nice that he's got Skylar Thompson back, and they're going to use the hell out of him. But I don't think – I think it's projecting and saying that he's a top-10 player in the conference. You know, is he even the best player on his own offense? Is, it would be my question. Yeah, he came out like gangbusters and then sort of slowed down. Um, he's a fun player. I mean, he's like Darren Sproles 2.0, and he is going to get a lot of usage. Man, Skylar Thompson, he's there for like year seven, I guess. Hey, I believe it's the seventh year, correct. Um, so I, I think you could leave Deuce off and it would have been fine. But I know K-State people are super excited about, you know, his potential next year. Explosive guy, for sure. My, my big question is, and I think Thompson's definitely better than, I mean, I'm blanking on the freshman that had to put Will Howard. Who Will had Howard, yeah. Last year. But how dynamic is 
the K-State offense is going to be um, because they, they really got bogged down at times. And they also lost a lot. I, I'm not sure how much they lost in offense, but they had a lot of guys. They kind of had a diaspora from their program. Eight, Charlie Kohler, I think nobody can disagree. This guy's, yeah, definitely one of the best 10 players in the conference, right? Yeah. That guy's a damn monster at tight end. Number seven, Nick Benito. I thought this was interesting because, you know, I was wondering about this the other day. We were talking about it on the SiriusXM show I work on. Is Nick Benito the best player on his own defense or defensive line, right? You know, mm-hmm. you got, uh, you know, um, forgetting his last name. Isaiah, forgetting his last name. Um, Perrion Winfrey is obviously on the, on, the, uh, on the defensive line too. So, I mean, how is he the best player in his own, his own defense? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to put up those splash numbers, I guess, as a pass rusher. But um, it, it's still weird to me to see Oklahoma defensive players on, on a top 10 list. Right. Like I think there's other directions you could go, though, for sure. Isaiah Thomas was the other yeah. guy. I was, yeah, okay, I yeah. To mention. Um, and then let's see. Going, so going on further down the list, Brock Purdy's at six, you know, not sure how I feel about that. Josh Sills, offensive line, Oklahoma State. Marvin Mims at four is the next one I want to get to. This one feels like projection to me because he feels like he can be that Hollywood Brown type connection, mm-hmm. right? You know, that, that outstanding Oklahoma wide receiver. Um, and I, I already think he is in many ways. Now, the other point to me is that that offense is going to be balanced because they've got so many playmakers. I bring that Mario Williams kid in there, good at tight end, running back, wide receiver. I mean, their goal is to be balanced. So he might not put up the, just the ginormous numbers that I think, you know, that might qualify him being the fourth best player in the conference. I do feel like this is a bit of projecting to put him at number four. I think so too. I mean, I like, I followed Marvin pretty closely when he was at Frisco Lone Star in high school and he's, he's a monster. He had a, yeah. a good freshman season. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel sort of like the Spencer Rattler thing. It's just like, oh, let's put an Oklahoma wide receiver on here right. that we think is going to have the most yards this season. Uh, and he probably will have a great year, but I don't know if he's a top 10 player in the league or a top five, I guess, if they have him at four. Top three, they've got Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, Spencer Rattler. So I would go with Brees at number one, in my opinion, just because I feel like the – uh, for him last year, it was just it was all it was great the entire year, right? It was mm-hmm. all great the entire time. Rattler is just one of those things where you put him at the top of the list. Just when it's all said and done, he probably will be. But right. at this point in time, I feel like Brees Hall is you know in terms of like hey, what is you know what could a guy be? Brees Hall is showing us like this. I am great. I can be great. And you know, if barring injury, he's going to be great this year. I always get worried with running backs. Like I, the Ch- I, I, my biggest nightmare is that what happened to Chuba Hubbard happens to Brees Hall here, and he gets nicked yeah. up and injured. So I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, on that. But Bijan, they're projecting that guy. If he's getting touches, is going to be one of the best ten players in the conference. Right. Brees Hall at two. We know he's already great. Spencer Rattler at one. It's kind of an interesting combination of speculation plus past performance. Right. I mean, my biggest takeaway is, man, there's a lot of dudes in the Big Twelve that were just assuming and kind of thinking are going to be really, really good. Right, yes. I mean, Brees Hall is certainly the most proven. And I think Spencer Rattler proved himself. But, yeah, I mean, even Bajan Robinson, like, I think he's going to be fantastic. But it is a pretty small sample size that we're kind of working off of late in the year for for whatever reason that Tom Herman did not give him the ball early in the season. Yeah, it's it's very weird. But those lists are always fun things, fun thought exercises here uh, in the offseason. A couple things before I get you out of here. So, final weekend of Big 12 baseball, right? Uh, I believe it's the tournament this week. Is that what, that what we have this week? So, we got one more, we got one more season series, week? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then tournament starts next week. I saw TCU drop the series this weekend. What happened? Yeah. Um, 
they probably shouldn't have played Louisiana Monroe. That's my best guess, Josh. <laughs> you know, since Iowa State doesn't have a program, everybody gets basically a bye week. Right. And teams handle it differently. Like some teams just take the weekend off. That's what Texas did. Uh, TCU decided to bring in Louisiana Monroe. They almost got no hit on Friday. And then they got shelled on Saturday. They gave up 13 runs. They were in both those games, but they still lost. Uh, you know, they're a little banged up right now. Like, they have some dudes in the middle of their lineup, Gene Wood and Hunter Wolf, that didn't play. Their starting pitching is um, suspect at the moment. I- I'm not ready to panic. I think I want to see what they do against Kansas State this weekend. And um, if they sweep or take two out of three, there's a good chance that they end up being the Big 12 champion overall outright. But, yeah, they, they dropped in the polls significantly, obviously. And I, I think it was – Bad timing coming off uh, that big emotional Texas series. But I think if you ask uh, Coach Slosh in a quiet moment, he probably would have said, yeah, I think uh, I would have rather just given the guys. Left the schedule open. Yeah, yeah just let, say, let just the say schedule no. open. Let the guys enjoy the weekend instead of bringing in a, a motivated Louisiana Monroe team. That's some of my conversation with Josh Neighbors about TCU baseball. Also, uh, a lot of Big 12 football talk in there as well. I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, they do it all. NBA, MLB, uh, NBA playoffs are coming up. We got, you know, playing games going on right now. Mavericks kick off their playoff series against the Thunder this weekend. So, hey, if you want to try to make some money on that, go to betonline.ag, sign up today. Also, Major League Baseball, uh, and you might say, man, Major League Baseball is a crapshoot every night. You don't really know what's going to happen. Well, Lee Sterling makes a makes it a point to know what's going on, to uh, get a good read on these over-unders and all the different situations that might arise and come up. Betonline.ag, give it a go today. Make some money. Let Lee Sterling line your pocketbooks. Again, that's betonline.ag. Final segment here on Locked on Horn Frogs, and I'll just quickly share with you on this Wednesday, um, D1 Baseball, they put out their field of 64 projection, and TCU is still a national seed or projected to be a national seed as of uh, today. They were the number seven overall seed. So, I mean, they're on the cusp of falling out, according to this prediction. But they haven't quite fallen out of that conversation yet. And, of course, that gives them the opportunity, if they play well against Kansas State, I think to climb up even more. And if they play well against Kansas State and potentially sweep or take two out of three from the Wildcats, then you're looking at a situation where they have a really good shot. I mean, if they sweep, obviously, they'll be the outright Big 12 champs. If they win two out of three, we'll have to see what happens with Texas and West Virginia. But everything's still in front of TCU baseball, so hopefully they can close it out and get it done. And, again, that series starts on Thursday night. That'll do it for us. This has been Locked On Horn Frogs. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.